Hi, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the next Supremes and American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Fiona breaks a decades-old truce with Marie Laveau and the council has arrived to investigate the disappearance of Madison. I mean, I feel like <laughs> she kind of broke that truce a while ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but now it's for real. Now the drama now is... It's for- now people have noticed. <laughs> yeah, she does something. she does something real bad. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode, Fearful Pranks and Sue was written by Jennifer Salt. I just want to shut this out. She used to be an actress, and she was in a few early Brian De Palma films, including Sisters, which is one of my favorite De Palma films. And weirdly co-wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Which, (laughs) okay. Uh, (laughs) And is directed by frequent Ryan Murphy Universe collaborator Michael Upenda, who directed the first season of Legion, which is very good. Oh, I don't know what Legion is. I'm sorry, but good for him. It's that mutant um, Dan Stevens show. Oh, with Aubrey Plaza. And she's like, ooh. It's very good. Okay, that's Uh, cool. Fun facts that are only interesting to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's interesting to everyone. We appreciate you sharing them. Okay, thank you for being so nice. (laughs) (laughs) So... We begin with a flashback to 1961, and yeah, we were we were just commenting before we hit record. It's this is a much more problematic season than we anticipated. I think we see Mary Laveau take revenge against uh, a young black boy being lynched uh, when he's going to his first day uh, to a mixed school in new orleans and she claims revenge by raising dead civil war soldiers to murder and disembowel viciously the um the the men who murdered the boy was it's just like a random assortment of zombies isn't it there's like a flapper there (laughs) i think i think it's just the flapper Mm -hmm. i think it's just a random it's like whoever was around oh (laughs) i don't think she specified um oh well then maybe i'm just prescribing quite a like a much like, heavier political reading to it and yeah like, this is this is her design i think the soldier the uh, there's one soldier and i think he might have not have been a southern soldier i don't know i'm not very good at recognizing the uniforms but i yeah i'm not quite sure what side that soldier was on but i think it was just a you know Mm. eclectic collection because there was kind of one of every kind of history <laughs> so there was a flapper it was a, it was a pick and mix of history zombies yeah because there's like a flapper zombie and there's a like a davy crockett um sort of frontier zombie and then there's a yeah civil war zombie and uh, the fact that they're all like dressed in those outfits <laughs> to me <laughs> buried like this flapper was like, put me in my fanciest, flappiest gown. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little cheesy. 
especially after this like very extreme like to open the episode yeah. to be like ah like traumatic racist thing but also these like fun zombies <laughs> yeah it's, yeah not 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 the classiest yeah tonally reckless i would say yeah and you know not we're only in episode four and there's already been so many reckless images in this and lines of dialogue in this in this season that um yeah there's not much to say aside from the fact that yeah that has it's not been that long and it has not aged well yeah just kind of like they're at it again yeah (laughs) oh god yeah exactly we jump forward into the present and the the peak bitch move that Fiona does is she as she and Cordelia sort of helping Queenie. There's a few interesting things here. Like Queenie actually dies and Fiona resurrects her because that's one of the powers that the Supreme has. And we've seen her suck the life out of people. We haven't really seen her resurrect anyone, I don't think. I thought you were gonna say suck it back in. <laughs> how would that work i don't know (laughs) we've seen a suck it out haven't seen a suck it back in yet well she does literally blow into queenie's mouth yeah a reverse suck (laughs) it's been six minutes (laughs) sorry It's been six minutes and I'm already the, crying. The <laughs> fucking costume party zombies just started this episode off on a weird, on a weird note. Oh god. Okay. So Fiona blows the sucks the life back into Queenie. She also decides to cut off Bastien's head and send them in a box to Mary Laveau, as if that was going to go down well. At least that incredibly problematic storyline is over not in a good way found the worst way to end it but i'm really sad for bastian though because he is an innocent that's what's sort of so tone deaf about the character is that he is just kind of this like object to be you know bandied between the two groups of witches you know there's uh, the the show doesn't really you never really get any sense of like his perspective on this you know it's just you know here's uh this man who's had such violence done to him you know to have this added abuse of of having you know the minotaur head being transformed into a a literal monster mm. and the show kind of treats him as a monster from that point onward Exactly, you know. and he's being treated by the monster even by Marie Laveau, who is, you know, she she supposedly punishes Lalaurie, amongst other things, mainly because she was torturing Bastien, who was her lover. Which, yeah, poor Bastien. He, he deserved better. Yeah. Going from one man who deserved better to a man who is pure trash, let's talk about Frank. Ugh, Frank. <laughs> Yeah, he's my Monsignor in this season. I hate him. I hate his face. I think he might also be my Monsignor. It's, oh, it's just like, should I describe it? Yeah, <laughs> please. So, 
this is such a weird scene. He's mm-hmm. in a hotel room and there's a knock at the door and Badung, it's uh, Alexander Breckenbridge who was, um, I've forgotten Moira. her name. From, but, uh, Moira, like sexy young Moira from Murder House. She's there. And then they just look at each other and they laugh. They're like, mm. ha, 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 hard cut, aggressive, angry sex. <laughs> and it's like really sweaty and she's kind of like mildly enjoying it he's very into it he's like and then he comes (laughs) and then he makes this noise that's like it's the weirdest like and i (laughs) it's the weirdest sex and i i why would she not be like this is weird i'm gonna leave that looked like the worst sex ever. He like barked when he came. Yeah. <laughs> so, without king shaming anyone, he just looks really bad. Like her, the the scene is shot so weirdly, where he is just like aggressively like fucking her in a way that is like, is she even there? Because there's also these shots of her face where she literally looks a little bit bemused. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is not a kink, though. <laughs> right? I didn't, but maybe barking, maybe barking is. But, I don't know. You know, yeah, well, like, that dog thing is a kink. Not just, like, randomly making that noise <laughs> with no connection. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and say it's not a kink. Be like, I just I just have really bad sex. And then I go, blah, at the end, that's my kink. <laughs> Can't shame me for it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the sort of dude who's always had extremely bad sex, but no one's ever told him that it was really bad. So then he just thinks that he's really good. Yeah, because you can't really broach the subject of like, mm. hey, um, so you made like a weird noise when you ejaculated. Do we want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> so you know the thing where you just flap your head around and all the sweat gets in my face? Can we have a conversation about that? Because it's not fun for me. And also every time you initiate sex, you look at me and laugh like you're in an infomercial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just all of it disturbing. And also you kind of look at me like you want to murder me. Do you? Wow. 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 (laughs) He does. Yeah. He does murder her. He murders her. Like in cold blood. But waits until she's gone down to the vending machine to get burritos and soup. Fucking typical. (laughs) What vending machine is that? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah. Go pop down to the old burritos and soup vending machine. Do you want anything? They've got burritos and soup. Well, she was, bless her, she was so smitten by the choices of the vending machine. And she was so smitten by the fact that he was a world traveler because he'd been to San Diego. And now I want to go to the zoo. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. San Diego does have a great zoo. So, yeah. a point. But yeah, it, it was a very sad and weird scene. And now she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Moira. By not Moira. Why is it always Moira that like gets mistreated by men so badly? It makes me really sad. Yeah. So Frank is trash. 
one of the key things that happens in this episode is the arrival of the Council of Witchcraft. And they are three people. And they arrive to investigate Madison's disappearance because she was, well, she was killed by Fiona in the previous episode. And their arrival is pretty juicy because not only do we get a little bit of insight into how witch politics work in this world, but also we get some background knowledge about the dynamic between Myrtle Snow and Fiona Good. Yeah, which so many good flashbacks. <laughs> so so much fashion. So much fashion going on. What did you make of the council members? I love that there's really there's two very strong personalities and then there's like the other woman. <laughs> who types things up because there's the incredible scene where Fiona confronts everyone and um she's like oh you know Quentin Fleming I can't remember what she say to him something like you're great yeah (laughs) she's like you vicious old queen and then Myrtle Snow she's an asshole too and then she's like and Pembroke hmm (laughs) (laughs) nothing no She's so insignificant, she doesn't even get a quip, that poor woman. It's the best uh, shade ever. <laughs> Which I guess they felt like they had to have a, a trio, because, hmm. you know, there's so much symbolism in the, the trilogy, the triad. Um, but then they just couldn't think of a third character, so they were like, <laughs> typist? <laughs> a fun fact. Again, stuff that I look at, because I have nothing else to do. Pembroke is played by the same actress who played the doctor who took over Briarcliff in Asylum. Oh, I knew she looked familiar. No name. Also no character. Just a government administrator. (laughs) She's just the person that Ryan Murphy phones when he can't think of a character. I just want to shout out, because we've met Myrtle before in the first episode. But Mm -hmm. this is also the entrance of the very great Leslie Jordan. He's just so... He's so great. <laughs> he's the best. He's the one good thing that came out of Lockdown 1. Oh, yeah. What was the... Did he have a podcast or something? He was just saying stuff the whole way through Lockdown oh, and all of yeah. it was hysterical. <laughs> he So he was kind of... He's a character actor. He's been acting for decades. And during Lockdown 1, he was self-isolating uh, in next door to his mother. And he started doing these Instagram videos that blew up. So he just became famous, much more famous than he never been quite randomly. And it's just him reacting to online trends, talking about his day, just saying stuff. And all of it was gold. <laughs> Wasn't he talking trash about like Faye Dunaway or some like classic actress <laughs> i think he talked about a lot of people calling like faye dunaway like some awful bitch or something <laughs> i'm sorry if that's not what he said and i am i don't remember that but he did publish a lot so i have not seen all of them although if somebody told me that they were stitching all of leslie georgian's instagram together and they wanted to screen that i would buy a ticket yes Oh, that's got to be on YouTube compilation. Leslie Jordan T. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great show. I would watch that. What do you make of the the antagonism, the lifelong antagonism that is revealed between Myrtle and Fiona? Well, it's funny because it's such a 
cinematically and life conventionally <laughs> it's a very conventional relationship between the two mm. of them because fiona's the popular girl who always gets away and myrtle is the you know the shy kind of quiet nerd who becomes jealous of that popularity and lets that just you know turn into resentment and brew and, and she comes more and more bitter and then in this episode she has that incredible outburst where she's just like why she's always just getting her way and it's like i feel that <laughs> you know so he was like you don't deserve the success you're having <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we've, we've all been murdered at some point in our lives we've all been murdered at some point <laughs> yeah at least she does have a great fashion sense, even if she does have no chill. Yeah, it's like, it's like art teacher in a Gucci ad or something. <laughs> it's very Grace Coddington, who I love. Did you ever see um, the September issue? No, what is that? Oh, uh, digression, apologies. Um, it's a documentary about the... The Thickest Vogue issue every year is the September issue. So it's a documentary about the making, the editing of the Vogue uh, September issue. And obviously it's a lot of Anna Wintour, obsessed, very big Fiona Good energy. And then Grace Connington, who is a creative director, I believe, I might be getting that wrong, or was at that point at Vogue. And it has like this fiery red hair and she's a former model. And she's the only person at Vogue who sort of just rolls her eyes at Anna Wintour and complete and is obsessed with cats and has a lot of cats and has a lot of uh, drawings that she does of her cats that are all around her house. And she actually published a book of drawings of her cats. So <laughs> <laughs> you can see why I relate. <laughs> and I love it. Fashion people, are, fashion people love their cats. Yes. Shall we move on to... Um, the piece of the puzzle that ties a lot of these plot lines together, which is um, Spalding, Dennis O'Hare's character, who is the sort of has been the silent butler of the Coven House so far, and this is the first episode where we get to know a little bit about him and hear him speak for the first time. Sorry, I'm just thinking about the fact that Dennis O'Hare's in that new version of The Grinch, and he plays the dog. I think. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched a clip of it and he like because Dennis O'Hare is such a I mean he is such like an actor mm -hmm. and this is what American Horror Story does they 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 cast the, these you know these these actors who just commit so fully to every single role they do and so watching Dennis O'Hare playing the dog in the Grinch and it's like <laughs> this is an Oscar performance <laughs> as dog from Grinch <laughs> like he's really good but he's also dressed as the dog from Grinch. <laughs> um, and I think that to connect it back to what we were talking about, I think it's sort of like, it's, you know, the commitment that he also puts into this performance. Because mm -hmm. what's so great about Spalding is that he is, you know, he is a typical American Horror Story character and the fact that he's a big old weirdo. But there is like a lot of a tragedy to him and such a sadness and the fact that he's having to communicate all of that wordlessly mm. i mean that's is really good and i think an underappreciated part of this season because you know you want to 
I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, when there's Sarah Paulson and Jessica Lange and Angela Bassett all, you know, mm. dropping hot lines at each other, you kind of get distracted. But he's really good at this. Dennis O'Hare is good at everything he does. Like, I'd watch that man, like, just sit Play still. the dog in the Grinch. Play the dog in the Grinch. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason why we'll now be aware of this film and probably watch it. He is a big old weirdo, though. Like, his room is full of creepy dolls, and one of those yeah. dolls is the body of Madison Montgomery. I mean, it's an aesthetic. <laughs> I was kind of into it until I got to the, the corpse part. <laughs> you, were you really like, oh, I'm kind of, oh, that's a pretty doll. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's I'd a like... nice ruffle. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a corpse. That's kind a dead... of. I like the little <laughs> tiny tea party because I'm very into, um, I mean, there's a whole teapot story I'll tell you later. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through teapot drama at the moment. But, you know, I like having my little tea set. And doing the thing and the teacup mm-hmm. and the pouring and there's no dolls involved, but <laughs> I'm glad you, you know. It was it was cute until the corpse. Yeah. Which I think applies to the entirety of this whole season where we could just say it was really <laughs> cute until all the racism or it oh, was it very was cute, cute until the corpse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> American horror story cute until the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> it's an aesthetic. It works. It's an aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, but um, the main thing about Spalding that we learn in this season is that so he's mute because Myrtle enchanted his tongue so that he was only able to say the truth. And then because he loves Fiona so much, he cut it out. And Myrtle had gone her whole life thinking that Fiona had cut it out. Mm-hmm. But as part of the council's investigation, they get him to write it down on a piece of paper and he writes Myrtle's name. Mm-hmm. And then when she has Even her little freak out. It wasn't really her fault. I mean, she probably should have enchanted him, but yeah. that was very much his decision that he made on his own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> eh. We get a little moment of weird reconciliation between Fiona and Cordelia where they go out for drinks. No jazz, but Cordelia does get blinded with some acid. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very weird scene because she's in the bathroom, and then there's someone in the stall comes out, and it's like they're wearing a little plague doctor mask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they look like a weird little cosplay, and then they get out a mason jar. A it's a bougie, jar it's a bougie attack. full of acid. <laughs> Like this is for it. and it's and the figure sort of like walks up to the sink, pauses for a moment, yeah, and it's that awkward moment like in when you're in the bathroom, a public bathroom, and someone mm-hmm. comes to the sink next to you, and you have that moment of like having to acknowledge their presence. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that moment, but then they're like boop, acid. <laughs> I just it was very weirdly choreographed. I don't know if you got that. Vibe. I was a bit like, I don't, this is a strange, it's a bit like the sex scene. It's like, it's not, it's not making sense to me. It felt out of place in that world. It just felt very casual. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a boop. <laughs> boop acid. Yeah. 
it's just the it's something about the direction just seemed (laughs) off-putting and before we move on to our categories i think there's just one thing that we should mention and it's that in revenge for the the beheading of bastian mary lovo does her zombie trick again she raises zombies to do her bidding and attack the coven house they're also sent to attack them on halloween which is important this whole thing this is actually the halloween episode which is a weird it doesn't feel like a halloween episode really and <laughs> i just i wanted to hear your thoughts about the moment when lollary opens the door and she sees her zombie daughters <laughs> 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 okay well i also want to say the, there's a larger variety of zombies here the flapper's back there's hillbilly zombie <laughs> i'm trying to remember what else i saw this is what the zombies are so funny because it's like simpsons episode treehouse of horror like that episode where there's all the dead come back to life mm-hmm. it's so cheesy <laughs> I love it. <laughs> One zombie from every moment in history. You got like zombie Cleopatra Red <laughs> to really mix it up. <laughs> um, yeah, and I loved that moment where she opens the door and the yeah. daughters are like, Hi, mom! <laughs> We're dead! <laughs> and Lalo then- <laughs> just goes, Nope. <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> I love that moment where, like, the zeroing in on one of her daughters, like, almost like a sitcom-ish, like an I Love Lucy move, where it's like, wink, it's me! <laughs> Audience, round of applause. <laughs> Woo! So- Honey, I'm home! <laughs> Shall we move on to our categories? Yes. So what was your top quote of the episode? I really loved the burn that Fiona, she delivers a burn at Myrtle. I'm suddenly not understanding grammar. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, look at you, Myrtle Snow, developing a sense of style when no one was paying attention. (laughs) Like, oh my God. (laughs) The viciousness. Because it's sort of nice that saying, hey, I like your look, but also you're irrelevant. So <laughs> who gives a shit? How That's about a you? Really good one. Um, mine, although that whole exchange with the council is, is, all of it is amazing. I think my favorite line is from Queenie when she's asked about Madison's disappearance and she's like, <laughs> Madison Montgomery is a stone cold bitch who loves hard drinking, big dicks and trouble. If she's dead, it's because she got wasted and offered the Grim Reaper a handjob or something. And like, she does it in such a quick way and with such a stony face. I'm like, okay, go off. <laughs> great. That is a great line. And what about the best song in the episode? I mean, I didn't recognize any of them, I'll be honest, (laughs) because I don't know anything about music. But there was a song called Sugarland that played when the zombies are all coming up. Uh, It was a good zombie song, even though uh, they should have used, I don't know if this album was out at the time, (laughs) they should have used a song from Dead Man's Bones, Ryan Gosling's band. Are you going to say My Body's a Zombie for You? Yeah, that one's a bit, like, maybe Dead Man's Bones. 
Because that's all about how, like, everywhere you go, there's bones beneath you. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas everywhere you go, there's dead men's bones, 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 bones. It's just a song about how there's bones everywhere. (laughs) That whole album is so sick, actually. I really laughed at it. And then I listened to it properly a few months ago. And I was like, this is actually some nice, like, fun music. It's very Monster Mash energy. It's so up my street. I listen to it every Halloween, <laughs> just on repeat, Dead Men's Bones. Uh, digression, but I don't have anything to say about that song. So I'm offering yeah. an alternative that I do know. That's How a great alternative. You? I mean, I was going to say Sugarland and I don't even have the Dead Man's Bones reference. Although I agree with it and also recommend the other song, My Body's a Zombie for You. Because there's a children's choir singing it and it's really creepy. <laughs> Have you seen the vi- the videos? Are great. No, I haven't. They, oh, they have the actual children's <gasps> choir, and they're all dressed up in little Halloween costumes. That's really cute. What about Best Fit? I really liked. It's during the tasteless sixties flashback, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's inappropriate to bring it up. I did really like what Marie Laveau was wearing. Uh, the second outfit where she had like a silk headscarf, a mm-hmm. sort of sleeveless turtleneck jumper thing yes. where there's there was kind of an embossing. I don't know where, what you call it, where it's there's kind of embossing in the wool. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looked really nice. <laughs> but it was during a, a horrible scene. Yeah. So I was torn. But I would have, I just liked the outfit. That's a good outfit. I'm going to say Myrtle Snow. Especially that like red, black and flower themed or like there's leaves embroidered on it and her sleeves are all puffy and there's tassels on the jacket and the skirt and she's got this massive like red necklace that are just huge plastic balls and she's got these sort of 1950s secretary glasses and her hair is crimped like there is so much going on with Myrtle. (laughs) There's a lot. And somehow it works. And you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah, it works, but I think it's it's just like a little bit too much for my personal taste, which mm-hmm. is why I didn't pick it, but it is a pretty iconic outfit in yeah. the AHS oeuvre. <laughs> I mean, it's how I envision myself growing old, so I connected with it very strongly. So, I feel like I'm going to be dressed more like the secretary lady, the typist, <laughs> Pembroke. And she's wearing like a cape in her. Well, Quentin's outfit is also very good. Also very good. Yes. And moving on, what about a witch pun? Oh, well, it's got to be <laughs> when Fiona puts on her Halloween costume, which is just a witch hat. Yes. <laughs> and looks in the mirror and goes, who's the baddest witch in town? It's like To no one in particular. <laughs> it's to us. And the answer is you. You, Fiona. Yeah. Always. Always you. That was going to be mine as well. That's I mean, I feel like there's no other choice. Nope. No other choice. And what about the MVP of the episode? Mm, Dead zombie daughters. (laughs) Because at the beginning of the episode, they were in the ground. Now they're not on the ground anymore. So they are winning. (laughs) 
I'm going to excited s- to see what they do next. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you were about to say something. <laughs> I'm going to say Spalding. Because as you know, I love a moral MVP. And mm. Spalding, albeit having some weird hoarding tendencies, is, you know, chooses to protect Fiona. And he sticks by it at his own expense. True, but I feel like his his love for Fiona is a bit like really. She's, oh, it's really toxic. He, she's not a good person. No. <laughs> Do you not want to find like a nice lady <laughs> who's nice and doesn't murder people? Clearly not, because the other option is a young woman's dead body. Yeah. I'm well. Not- I mean, is that romantic or is is he just like a doll? (laughs) I love dolls. Big human corpse, corpse corpse-sized doll. (laughs) I can't even. I I can't even get into that. (laughs) Okay, well, that's we'll get into it next episode because you know we're coming when you know we're coming back to the corpse dolls. Oh yeah, yeah, we are. Did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? I mean, not really anything specific, because I mean, this—they sort of vaguely touch upon, uh, you know, nineteen sixties lynching, uh, integration, uh, but like, not there's. I don't think it's touching on any specific events. Hmm. I don't think. Did you pick up on it, or? I think there. Well. There is a a pretty there's a bloody history in New Orleans with uh, lynchings by yeah by, by racists, but um, I don't think this was referencing considering like the a time frame. Yeah, yeah, incident. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is an insensitive historical reference in general because it uses the like really traumatic imagery in a really cavalier way, and it's also a, a child. That's the the victims so it is quite you know to make the point that Mary Laveau was and I think we'll we'll touch on this in in future episodes possibly or in the roundup she was a very interesting person who was very much about the community and she was a community leader and I think it is quite reductive to have her just respond to violence uh, that's perpetrated on on people from her community or people who are close to her in order for her to then respond with violence. Yeah, and it was so unnecessary for this episode because you didn't need to have like a to establish with the audience that she knew how to bring zombies. Mm. Yeah, because like... we know she's very powerful, mm-hmm. and and you know we know what zombies are <laughs> like you don't need to have a 5 minute really insensitive backstory to her being able to to say hey dead people go do some stuff <laughs> i mean that's what's so weird about it it's such a silly well i mean you know it's not a silly idea the idea of conjuring the dead cuz that has real historical background to it but you know the idea of doing this ritual and suddenly like hands are popping out of graves like it's thriller you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) it's i think that's the thing it's like this very like halloweeny concept butting heads with 
historical trauma, mm-hmm. like it just all reads bad, <laughs> very bad. Agreed. And so I think we've covered all of our categories. What can we expect from next week's episode? In the next episode, Zoe unleashes a new power. Murder boobs. <laughs> she's got murder vagina, now she's got murder boobs. The whole set. <laughs> it's not that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not spoiling it, don't worry. <laughs> I'm fully imagining an Austin Powers fembot type situation. <laughs> Just a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Coven. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. We've got our own channels now for the podcast. Follow us on at NextSupremesPod. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I'm at Anna B. Demented. Pew, pew, pew. Bones, 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 bones. <laughs> You're thinking of the bone song. I'm thinking of uh... nipple flamethrowers. They could combine. <laughs>